Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Thank you, Hannah. Dear friends, I want you to imagine with me for a moment what life would be like if there were no music. Imagine a life without Beethoven and Mozart, a life without Taylor Swift and Alicia Keys, no Phantom of the Opera, no Les Mis, movies with no soundtracks, car drives in total silence, no more concerts, no more symphonies, no more karaoke. No need for Spotify or Apple Music. No more singing, no more dancing. Strip that all away, and I think you and I would agree that our life would be far more joyless. That life would be boring, severely impoverished. Because music is one of God's greatest gifts to us, isn't it? I remember in high school, my friend asked me, Jeff, would you rather be deaf or blind? And I quickly answered, I'd rather be deaf, of course. It's far more debilitating to be blind in this world. And he said, Jeff, I'd rather be blind. Because if I were deaf, there'd be no more music. And I remember pausing. Good point. How about your faith journey? What role has music played in your own spiritual journey? I don't know about you, but music played a, a real formative part, especially in my early years. You can say that music was one of those means God used to draw me to Him. It was through music that I began to really appreciate the beauty and majesty and worthiness of our God. It was through music that I began to see that Christianity is more than just morals and ethics, a code of conduct of how we are to live in this world. It was through music where I began to realize that Christianity was ultimately about a personal relationship with a living God who is so awesome, so great, that he makes your heart sing. And so early on in my faith, singing was an integral part of my growth. I spent far more time singing to the Lord than I did read his word. Today, however, I find that it's reversed. Instead of singing God's word, I spend far more time studying and reading his word. And you know what? Not until I started preparing this sermon did I realize that's troubling. I find that troubling because as much as the Lord wants me to read his word and study it, he also wants 
my voice. He wants my worship. Oftentimes when we gauge our spiritual health and assess how we're doing in our relationship with God, the first barometer we automatically look to is, am I reading or praying, right? As we should. I think you and I would agree that a Christian who never reads and never prays, something is off with him or her. The same is true with the Christian who never goes to church a Christian who never asks God for forgiveness, a Christian who never extends forgiveness, we would say something is off with his or her faith. But the same can be true about a Christian who never sings. A voiceless Christian is an oxymoron of sorts. God makes clear in his word that he loves it when we sing to him. One of the most frequent commands found in the Bible is sing to me. It's found over 50 times in the Bible. The longest book of the Bible is the book of Psalms, which is composed of 150 songs God has written for us. And so when it comes to pleasing him, when it comes to serving our Lord, you can say that singing is one of God's love languages. He loves it when we sing. And this desire is expressed here in our passage as we especially focus on verse 18 and 19 where Paul says, don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Three categories of songs Paul lists for us. First is psalms, which refers to what? The Old Testament psalms. Then he says hymns, which refers to the, the songs written by the early church. And lastly, he refers to spiritual songs, which are those personal songs prompted by the Holy Spirit. And by listing these three categories, Paul is pretty much reflecting the whole gamut of Christian singing. Bring all of it to the Lord, Paul says. Now, you might be wondering, why is singing so important to our God? Why does he love it when we sing? Well, let me share three reasons why. Reason number one, God loves when we sing because he is a musical God. In Job 38, verse 7, God gives us a sneak peek of what was going on when he created the heavens and the earth. He says to Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth, the stars and the angels sang for joy. You know, whenever I picture Genesis 1 and 2, and when I picture in my mind God creating this world, oftentimes I don't hear anything. It's a silent movie. But here we see, no, 
Instead of a silent movie, what we ought to envision is a Hans Zimmer score or a John Williams anthem blaring in the background as the halls of heaven echo with the angels singing in joyous celebration over what God is doing. Talk to Pastor Lewis, and he'll tell you that I like to work to music. Well, I guess I get that from God, because he created, surrounded by music. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 19, God gives Moses a song. He tells Moses, I want you to write this song down. I want you to remember it, and I want you to teach it to my people to sing. Because in this song, it celebrates all that I've done for my people. God is a composer. And God is not just a composer. He himself is a singer. Zephaniah 3, verse 17, The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. As we picture God singing over his people. What a wonderful image. The reason why music is such an integral part of our joy is because music is an integral part of God's joy. The reason why God delights in our singing is because he is a musical God. He is the first composer, the first singer, the conductor of heaven's choir. From eternity, a song has rung through heaven above, a song sung by Father, Son, and Spirit harmoniously together. We were created in the image of a musical God, and so that's the first reason why God delights in our singing. The second reason is because for our God, what he ultimately desires from us is not so much our external obedience as much as our inward affections. Music, if you think about it, is a language uniquely equipped to draw out the deep waters of the soul. This is why Paul mentions in verse 19, make music with your heart to the Lord. This explains why so many songs out there celebrate love, why so many songs express grief and heartbreak. It's because when we're in the throes of deep emotion, simple prose is not enough. Telling someone about how you feel is not enough. No, to properly convey what we're feeling, we need to sing. We need to write music. Which is why when you're, when you're down in the dumps after a breakup, first thing you want to do is to sing and drown yourself in sappy music. And it's cathartic. Why? Because in the songs that you hear and the songs you sing, you're able to rightly tap into how you feel. Yes, this song knows what I'm going through. And this is why God delights in our singing. 
It's because for God, what he enjoys most about us is not external obedience. If that were the case, he'd create mankind as heartless robots. No, but what he ultimately wants is our affections reflected in the great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And it is through song that we can channel our affections and bring it before him. It is through song where we can more easily express our gratitude, our joy, and thanksgiving. The command to sing, then, is a reminder that God desires a personal relationship with all of you, heart, mind, and soul. Third reason why God loves when we sing is because singing is a very practical way you and I can encourage one another. Yes, when we sing, we direct our voices to God, but it does not come without its horizontal benefits. This horizontal benefit is reflected in verse 19 where Paul says that we are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Paul is telling us, don't just sing in private. Share your praise with the congregation. Many of us are familiar with the one another commands of the New Testament the command to love one another, honor one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, care with one another, pray for one another. But let's not forget this one another. Sing to one another, says the Lord. When we sing to one another, we're reminding each other who sits on the throne when we exalt his name, when we declare his mighty works, when we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are declaring to one another how worthy, awesome, amazing, and loving, and gracious God is. Reminding one another that our God is worthy of our affections, that the ultimate purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's the power of our singing. That's the influence we could have upon each other. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, singing in worship can be difficult for me. It's difficult because I'm thinking about my sermon. I'm thinking about who's here, who's not here. Today, I was thinking about, do we have enough chairs? And so though you might see my lips, my heart and my mind are in a total other place. That is, until I see someone sing. It could be a child singing her heart out. It can be an elderly person with hands raised. And the moment I see that person singing, I'm snapped back into singing and worshiping the Lord. 
that person's singing catalyzes my singing. It encourages me. It helps me to remember why I'm here. Brothers and sisters of New Life, I need your singing. I need your singing to help my singing. One of the great blessings the Lord has given us is the blessing of congregational singing. Few things are more energizing, more uplifting, more edifying than when our hearts and voices are intertwined together, aimed at celebrating the worthiness of our God. And so this is my shameless plug. Come to church on time. Don't just come right before the sermon. You're missing out on the beauty of congregational singing. And when you come late, not only are you impacting your own faith through your absence, but your absence also impacts our faith because our faith can be stimulated by your worship. We worship together. This is a family affair, not an individual affair. Now, some of you might be saying, Jeff, I know that God wants me to sing. I know how important it is. I know that my singing can encourage the rest of the church. But here's my problem. My problem is not that I don't know how to sing. My problem is not that I don't know why it's important. My problem is I just don't want to sing. Sure, it was easy for me to sing back when I was in high school and college when life was a lot simpler. But now I've got a mountain of debt, kids who are sick, parents who are dying. My marriage is on the rocks, and I've got a boss who's insufferable. Right now, hearing you say you need to sing, it's rubbing me the wrong way. Singing is the last thing I want to do. Perhaps for some of you, the words of Keith Green capture how you feel. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. Perhaps that's you this morning. Perhaps along with the hymnist, you're asking, tune my heart to sing thy grace. I need a tune-up big time. Well, if that's you, I want you to know that there's hope for you. And the reason why there's hope is because the source of your singing does not come from you or within you. I am not asking you to muster up enough strength to generate a voice, to generate joy, to generate thanksgiving so that you can sing. If the, the hope we had was found in our ability 
to sing and find motivation to sing, then we are hopeless. Thankfully, Paul in our passage doesn't just command us to sing, but he also points us to the hope and source of our singing. Remember, there's a verse that comes before speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He writes in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Singing to one another then comes on the heels of being filled by the Spirit. That's the key of how to tune your heart to sing, is being filled with the Spirit will ignite and revitalize your heart heart. You might be asking, well, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with my singing? Well, notice how Paul contrasts being filled with the Spirit with don't get drunk with wine. In Paul's mind, being filled with the Spirit is the antithesis of getting drunk. And so we can learn about what it's like to be filled by learning why we get drunk. And so why do people get drunk? Why do they deliberately get wasted? I think for many, it's their way of dealing with the pressures and brokenness of life, is it not? How often do you hear someone say, bro, I just got into a a fight with my spouse. Let's get a drink. I just got laid off at work. I need a drink. I'm having a hard day. I need a drink. We go to the bottle to help us cope with the stress and burdens and anxieties of life. And how does alcohol help us cope? It helps us cope by temporarily suppressing parts of our brain so that we become a little more detached from reality. It suppresses parts of our brain so that our awareness of what's going on in life is masked and covered over. And of course, through this temporary period of escape, it also oftentimes, as Paul reminds us, leads us to further sin as we make unwise choices and decisions. But Paul says, instead of running to the bottle with your problems, how about the Holy Spirit? Because you see, the, the, the way the Holy Spirit helps us deal with our problems is not by depressing our brain or suppressing reality. Rather, it's by enhancing our senses. It's by activating parts of our soul that are dormant. It's helping us come to a clear grasp of reality. How so? The Holy Spirit's job is to activate our faith so that we can see the truths of God more clearly, so that we can grasp God's world more tightly. The Holy Spirit is the one who awakens us to the reality of God's truth. 
He is the one who turns the gospel from theory to reality, from doctrine to experience, from sheet music to symphony. As Dane Ortland writes, it's one thing for your father to tell you he loves you. It's another for your father to embrace you in his strong arms and whisper in your ear, I love you. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He turns God's word into reality. We see it reflected in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us. You want to know what God has done for you in Christ? Well, that's the Spirit's job. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. It's one thing for the, the, the Bible to tell us that we are children of God. It's another for the Holy Spirit to testify with our souls, you are the beloved of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to know deep down in our bones that we are God's child. And so he takes the notes of the gospel, opens our ears, and enables us to hear its music. And so if you find yourself struggling to sing, Seek the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes and ears. Don't suppress and depress my grasp of reality. No, activate it. Ignite my ability to truly see life as you see it. Help me to behold you in all of your beauty. And I guarantee the moment you start hearing the music of heaven is the moment your heart will be moved to sing to one another. And there's one truth that I discovered this past week that just really encouraged me. A little-known truth found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. In Hebrews 2, verse 12, Jesus says this to us, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. The Hebrews author tells us that when we gather for worship, Christ, by his spirit, stands with us in our presence and sings beside us. I want you to try to picture and hear what Jesus' voice must sound like. If the greatest singers of all time are but distant echoes of the one true, beautiful voice, can you imagine how amazing Jesus' voice must be? The texture, the tenor, the timbre, 
the tone. Imagine Jesus standing behind you and singing during worship. I already told you about the impact and power of congregational singing, of how when we see someone worshiping, it catalyzes our own worship. Imagine the impact of Jesus singing right next to you. And the Hebrews author says, this is what happens every time God's people gathers for worship. Whether you are a group of 10 people in the basement in China whispering a song because you don't want the authorities to hear you, Jesus is there singing along with them. Or whether you're in a grand cathedral filled with thousands with choir and orchestra, or whether you are in a multi-purpose room of an elementary school here in Irvine, Jesus is there singing with you. Dear friends, is your faith a singing faith? A sister shared recently that the reason why she joined the worship team was because she wanted to cultivate a singing faith. And I was like, that's really good. That's a great goal. What steps can we take to cultivate a singing faith? How can we better advantage ourselves to the presence and work and activity of the Holy Spirit? Beloved, it is my prayer that the Spirit of God so fills our hearts and makes alive the gospel that New Life Church will be known as a singing church. May our worship be heartfelt. May our worship be gospel-fueled. May we love God well with all of our hearts, minds, and souls. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you desire our love with all of our hearts, mind, and souls because, Lord, that is the type of love you have lavished upon us. You have loved us with all of your heart, mind, and soul, even to the point of giving your only begotten Son to die on the cross for our redemption so that we who were once your enemies might become children of God. And Lord, we pray that this gospel that we hear every Sunday, this gospel that we've memorized and can regurgitate and recite would become real, that we would hear its music, that we would feel and experience its power. Lord, help New Life Church to be a singing church. May what we do every Sunday give us a foretaste of our heavenly future where one day we will be joined with you in heaven above. And we pray this in Jesus' name.